Hello, welcome to this edition of Gates Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Jamie. And he's Clive. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he's Clive! He's back! Yeah, you know, I just wanted to, I just thought at some point I might, I might actually answer one of your calls. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been avoiding him for about six months, but it's, it, it, I felt I felt there was a point where I can't really avoid it anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to be back. It always, it's always nice, always nice to come back. And when we're talking to Clive, we're talking ships. Yes, and as we apparently. said in my birthday episode, it feels like forever ago, we are talking whatever I've called it, Gene Rottenbury Starship Design Guidelines. So if you do a bit of digging on Extra Astra, there's design guidelines set out by Gene Rottenbury via, who was it? Um, oh, Jim Stevenson. Andrew Probert. Oh, yes, the probe points what you said in exchange. And the rules said warp nacelles must be in pairs. Uh, warp nacelles must have at least 50% line of sight on each other across the hull. Both warp nacelles must be fairly visible from the front, and the bridge must be located at the top center of the primary, primary, primary hull. That thing, the thing in the middle, the big yeah, thing. So we're going to be looking through starships and seeing which ones actually do meet those guidelines. We're just going to talk it through. going to talk them yeah. through and just kind of talk through ones that don't obey that quite quite an old rule. Because I think coming from Jim Rottenbury, I would imagine that kind of comes from um, Matt Jeffries in some ways. Well, I think it was. If, if I'm right, that the, the rule that this kind of generic rule was made up by the by Probert and, and Roddenberry just to do a kind of starting next gen. Um, I don't think I don't know whether I think it's because of the Matt Jeffrey design that kind of they went right. If we want to keep that, I'm guessing they thought, well, we need to kind of put some rules. Yeah, because obviously, you place. know, the Enterprise Constitution, obviously, you know, 1701, obviously, TOS, that was that was obviously the blueprint, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd imagine. That's the pin I'm wearing, the original Connie. So, uh, for being planet pin. Oh yes, your your pin. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you know about this, Clive? Simon's uh, pin thing he's doing this year. For every episode of with every episode we're recording, he's wearing a pin that's associated with the episode in some way. Oh, I cannot wait to see what he pulls up for some of the. Oh, we're actually thinking of themes. I just thought he was just going to put like random pins on, so you'd like have something that was like to do with Rome Affair or relics. Or, <laughs> or that's right. For our episode. Theme it's the episode. <laughs> All right, not the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do when you do that that nudity in Star Trek episode that you've been you've been planning for a couple of months. <laughs> interesting to see how you how you wear that one. <laughs> so it's quite an interesting topic. <laughs> Moving on. And we're done. <laughs> and that's it (laughs) because I think me and you Clive were chatting when we were talking through kind of when we both came up with a small list of them ships that don't follow it and I think there is because there's not many for bridge must be located on top of the hull there's only one that doesn't count and that's only a recent addition the the Shenzhou isn't it yeah Um, Walker class yeah, I mean, I, 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 if you look back and um, look in, into, actually, honestly, I did a bit of research for this one. I know it shocks you that I actually bothered to actually like look at the topic before I did this. But going back into it, and you look back over the books, and it's something I've, I've been looking at some um, classic sort of Star Trek reference books over the last sort of quarter, six, about two or three weeks actually. And you go back to um, 
the Starfleet technical manual from the mid 70s, from 75. Um, and in that, even you look at the Starship designs in there, they don't even conform to the rules. And that's from that was supposedly you know quite a, quite a, an official tome if you would at that point. Um, and even that doesn't conform to to any of these guidelines. <laughs> and then it just goes from there. But yeah, as I say, let's 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 go through and and see what we can we can see what we can justify but you're right yeah you said there is only one that's that didn't have a bridge at the at the top which is um where's the city's bridge located then you see in the pile of discovery jeremy yeah i know that i'm just where is it located ship wise i've not seen discovery pilot since like two three three years ago how am i meant to blooming remember that and this is ships you know me i'm still just getting into it we're only like 10 minutes in and we're already getting excuses of, I've never seen that ship, don't you know? It's going well. Uh, I've seen the ship, I just can't remember whether it fits up to this ship where it's not located in the primary whatever. Then how the, where, how the hell am I meant to remember? It's like, it's like watching your parents' marriage dissolve before your eyes, this. It's great. <laughs> Effectively, normal group services resumed, I think. When you do your bloopers, really, it's going to go, and here's the Roddenberry ship episode. <laughs> Just play that. <laughs> anyway, right, come on, come on. Seriously, we, we, you know, this, this is this is hardcore stuff. Oh, okay. Months right, in the yeah. making and... I know. No, he's right. So, yeah, the the, the, the bridge for the um for the Shenzhou was... was where the, the saucer, yeah. Underneath the saucer. Okay. So all the shots, all the shots you had of it were all. I remember there was quite a good shot, isn't it, where, you, where the camera comes up to Burnham and she stood in the wind, uh, in the view screen slash window. I think window. that is yeah. literally the first ten minutes in the pilot, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's the only real one that fits that thing, and it's you might as well just get that out the out the way because I love you know, at that time they go sit there and go, yep, none do at this point, and you're going, nah, not anymore, not anymore. They went and stripped, they changed that round. Which is quite funny if you think about it, because that's a ship that was actually set before the original Enterprise that doesn't obey the rules that were set because of the original Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> that should have the rules that should have existed before the original Enterprise was built, because that's what the rules that it was built according to were. Brick cutting! Yay! Yay! Pre- prequels prequels after the other ones have been made. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, we've been there before, haven't we? Um, yeah, but I mean, it's, 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 so yeah, you can see where the, the design principle comes from. And even if you look at the stuff on X, um, X Astra, um, it's clear that the design lineage that they were going for was pretty much, it's the Enterprise. <laughs> it's the Enterprise, done. And then everything else kind of has to kind of fit around that that model, that, that very, very... Uh, it's like Jim Rodbury's story writing, but, you know, his idea for next gen and stuff like that. It's very, very, very small <laughs> bubble that you've got to fit everything into. Because I, I, you know, you can't, I don't think there's, I think there's probably one type of starship, maybe, that properly conforms to those rules after the Enterprise. That properly actually sets and stays with those, with those, those rules that I think there's, I think there's probably one, one class. That does Galaxy? It. No. No. I think it's Miranda. Really? Well, think about it. The they're, they're in pairs. 
there's at least 50% line of sight. Both in the cells can be visible from the front. And the bridge is located at the top of the primary hill. If you try and I, I guess this is where we're going to go, because you're going to go, no, you're not, you're not, you're not right. But well, so you'll say that's the only Ta- federation. Can I go technicalities here? Because te- oh, you if, you rem- if you remember technically, the whole reason it's that design is because one of the designers, producers looked at it the wrong way around. So it would be totally wrong if it had, if you if you look at the concept. No, it wouldn't. It still wouldn't. Because the, the, the bridge would still be on the top. Because all it did was it just flipped it and put the bridge on the top again. So the bridge would still be on the top. Yeah. All they did was change the basic shape of it. So instead of being that way, live beetle, they turned it that way. We're saying that the Federation class ships at the Miranda is the only one that conforms to all to all of Roddenberry's guidelines. I'm probably just starting an argument, which is really good. Um, but if, if you think about it and you think if you start working your way forward from there, how many of them actually properly do conform to that? How many of you kind of go, if I look at this from the front and I think the biggest. Actually, well, the gal- no, galaxy. No, 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 I think Galaxy. I think Galaxy is the other one. Galaxy does. I think the Sovereign does. No, Sovereign doesn't because not the, the nacelles are behind oh, the saucer. The, yeah, OK. Um... Ambassador? Ambassador, maybe. Actually, oh, actually no. I've, actually, I've looked in my. I should have looked down a bit further, and it's the this, um, the buzzer collectors aren't visible from the front, so that doesn't either. So and sovereign isn't because you've got part of the engines, but the engines are yeah, behind the saucer. Just... And in fact, I mean, if we go through, if you start with the Miranda class, the Miranda class fits that profile exactly. Jamie, it's strange because this is a point where you can say your favourite ship. Hmm? Oh dear. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wake him up in an hour, Si. We'll wake him up in an hour in time. Did you repeat that? <laughs> this is the point where you say your favourite ship and try and sound clever. Well, uh, well, in order to say something, I need to know what you said before you said that. I didn't hear you. <laughs> it was at this point that I decided the marriage was no longer going to work. <laughs> The NX NX class also fits. Yes, it does. My favourite ship does fit. Yes, the NX01, which is not a biscuit tin, sire. He still calls it a biscuit tin. I'm offended. Yes, the NX01 does conform to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You can see, You're right. you, can see you can see both in the cells. It's located, obviously, as you say, primary hole. So. At least fifty percent apart. So yeah. Is this why so, I'm going to yeah. need therapy at some point? So not to not to quote Life of Brian, but apart from the Constitution class, the Miranda class, and the NX class, what did, what did the Federation do for us? <laughs> no, um, no, it's it's uh, the the problem with the rule is that by setting four rules which are really strict. Like fan film guideline kind of stuff. Yeah, because you feel like you've always got to be 50% apart. I mean, that's very specific, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if we think about it, the only thing we've got to do is with the Defiant is put the bridge underneath and it just pretty much pees all over them. 
mean, that's that's the thing. But you, you, go, you go back to the so if you go back and you go from the first ship, if you go design line rather than timeline. I mean, we go timeline. It's all over the shop. There's no consistency at all. We talk about the Shenzhou. We talk about the NXO one. Um, you can talk about the Intrepid class, the Intrepid from from Enterprise. Um, that probably conforms to it as well. But then you kind of go, but is but would that be classed as that because it's not act? And this is the this is the here's the thing for you. Here's the thing for you. And I might actually say no. The NXO one doesn't doesn't satisfy those rules because it, it wasn't in the Federation. It wasn't a Federation starship. It was star only Starfleet. Bingo. And if we want to be really picky, the Phoenix doesn't even apply to that bloody rule. No. <laughs> Because you can't see the engines. So you, no. you look at it. You look at it. Yeah, the Phoenix doesn't apply to the rules. And that's that's the well, thing. Isn't there a I hole think. in the middle? Maybe on your Playmates toy, yes. But on the real on the real thing. No. <laughs> but you think about it. If we, if, okay, okay. So, yeah, you could, you could argue that the NXO one, the Intrepid class, uh, and the starships that were in Enterprise don't need to conform to that. Jamie, do you feel like you're at a TED talk? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and we mean TED as in the Seth MacFarlane film, not the TED as in the really intellectual discussions. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no. If you think, if you, if you, I, I get it. I get it. You know, the, the NXO one does. Com- the NXO one does comply. Yeah. So, you're, you're, so basically, you're saying with that, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't conform, but it doesn't need to because, as you no. say, it's before. It's before. Um, the Federation anything, was formed, so it wouldn't. Yeah. Anything before TOS technically doesn't have to conform to any of those rules. If if we go on an absolute timeline technicality. Mm. Um, but the second you get Federation starships, then supposedly they should conform to these rules. And I'm guessing that's down to a combination of Andorian, Vulcan, Tellarite, and and human technology that that, that comes with this this formula. But it is very constrictive because even when you get to Star Trek Three. The old birth class doesn't conform to the rules straight away. Bird of Prey doesn't either. That's not a Federation ship. It doesn't matter. It's still a ship. But if you if you look at the <laughs> wait, so uh, uh, this this thing with Roddenberry's guidelines is it only are these only these four guidelines are they only applicable to Federation starships or ships in general in Star Trek? Let me let me quote let me quote from um, the wonderful ex Astra Skinter uh, website. So Roddenberry's design rules um, they the thing is they don't they're for starship design, but of course for his for starship design you've got to you've I, I truly believe that the starship design that he's looking at there is federation starships that's a federation design line because if you look at um anything i mean apart from to be fair the bird of prey doesn't conform to it at all in no way does a bird of prey conform to it the uh, the d7 though in the original series and the romulan bird of prey do actually conform to that however you look at alien ships like the tholian ship um and any of your you know, the Gorn ship, any of the other alien ships, none of them really conform to that rule. 
So you have to kind of say, OK, was actually the rule intended to be purely for Starfleet ships, for Federation starships? It's a good point, because if you think, as you said, if some of the other, it's like, the, was it the Romulan ones you mentioned that do? Yeah. Do yeah. they just because it's a coincidence or was it actually in mind of when they were designed that they would actually conform to it? Because they thought, yeah. oh, it has to. And if they put those rules in place at the beginning of TNG, you think of the ships that are in TNG that are alien ships that don't conform to those rules. You've got the, the Telerian freighter in Heart of Glory, doesn't conform to those rules. You've got Bird of Prey, which they use repeatedly, particularly in season, not season one, but season two. Um, Kardashian ships yeah. don't. Kardashian ships don't, but that's, I mean, that's post Roddenberry time. We're kind of talking, you know, season four, very end of Roddenberry's production. But again, yeah, alien ships don't conform to any of those rules whatsoever. So Romulan it has to be. Do. What ships do? Romulan warbirds do. Romulan warbirds do. Yeah, the original. Uh, Next gen one do. Yeah, they do. They're in pairs. Line of sight. Absolutely. Line of sight, because there's no space for this. <laughs> yeah. um, they're visible from the front. Where's the bridge? At the top and the is it primary hull? Is it? Um, is it not at the front? Not sure, actually. I thought the bridge in Romeo and Wilbur was at the front. I think. It's I don't think front. it was at the top. I think so because the front bit's a lifeboat with the bridge in it. Yeah, but where's the bridge? That's what I'm looking up. There's somebody probably screaming at us now going, it's, you know. It's there, you. Yeah, it's there. Why can't you Why can't you see it? It's, it's there. Um, Derek's class bridge. Uh, where's the bridge? Where's the bridge? Where's the bridge? Technical data. Physical arrangement. Here we go. Physical arrangement. Uh, da, 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 da. All it says is that the bridge is in the forward section. It doesn't tell you where it is, but if you look at the forward section of the bird, Romulan Warbird, that top piece of the head hasn't actually got any windows in it. There's nothing lit in that top dome section piece. I think it's one of the set of top windows, I think. It's one which, of means them, it's I think. Still, which means it's still not at the top. It's not on the top. If you're going by the X Astra, the bridge, bridge must be located at the top centre of the primary hull. I'm going to let you two argue this out because I don't know. <laughs> so, you know. so, so <laughs> a Romulan Warbird doesn't conform to the four rules. So, again, it comes down to it's got to be a rule that was set in place for just Federation starships because nothing else really conforms to that. Rules are but meant then, to be broken. But then, the, yeah, but then they break the rules. I mean, they might, the rule was made in 1987, so you've got to think, okay, after, so you kind of go, okay, oh, birth class, they haven't really thought about it when they made the rule. Um, so 1987 comes along, Probert and Rodney come up with these four ideas for next-gen ships, for, you know, starships. The hilarious thing is, of course, in the second episode, they break it straight away anyway, because they use the birth class. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> the four basic rules don't work from episode, literally from episode two. In fact, they don't even work from episode one because the first ship, in fact, one of the first ships, the first ship that the Enterprise encounters in uh, Encounter at Farpoint 
It's the Excelsior class. <laughs> yeah, can you just imagine? What if we just come up with these rules? Like, so th- th- it's one of the, it's one of these, isn't it? It's, you, you even get to the point of the first episode where actually I know. Rules you, just, you just imagine like what if we comes up with these rules? Like the first episode, the writers was like, oh, you know, we're just going to ignore them. You know, we went to follow designing these ships, but oh, we'll just, you know, just. I think I'm, I think I'm probably wrong with the Excelsior. I think the thing does actually conform. I think it's the Enterprise mm. B. The Enterprise B doesn't because of the because they they redo all the bus collapses at the at the front. The Excelsior doesn't because of the full of um covered by the source section. Are they? Yeah, I think so. So it doesn't even conform. So it, that's what my research says. So the 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 rule goes to pot straight away. Well, the other interesting thing is what 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 um I think one in one of your bits of notes size the vo- is Voyager whilst it's out of warp it breaks the warp cells must have it oh so, don't go on to the Intrepid that's a minefield of how many ways can you screw this up yeah oh the, the Intrepid is a clusterfuck of uh, <laughs> it really uh, is <laughs> it really it's, is it's like I love how you bleeping that out as well. I think and I, I, what's it's out of warp. It's like well, so any other time it's, it 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 does conform, but it's when it's oh. action. But does hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Could they could they say with the intrepid class? And and I'll I'll play the I'll play the the other side of this one. When it's not a warp, it doesn't need to have a clear line of sight because they're not using them. They don't need to. So it doesn't break the rule then. No, it doesn't. Then so why not just mount them up, you idiots? That's my, my whole... Have you not watched Force of Nature? Do you not understand the Warp 5 speed limit? Don't get me on Force of Nature. You know what happens when I got on that damn episode. So, that's the whole... I mean, that's, oh, that's we've, got the... to, we've got to stop this huge galactic threat. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sacrifice myself, blow up the ship, cause the thing I'm trying to stop the... Why? Why? I feel like... I felt like I'm a can of worms with that one. Yes. Clive, um, <laughs> go, 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 go get a takeaway and come back in half an hour or something. Well, they hate. But you, you, see, you see the point though is that is that with Voyager yeah. technically it doesn't it doesn't need to do that because if it's not at war therefore it's not using the nacelles then they can be at whatever position they want to. I mean they're still. When, they when take it's not so long to go up though. You might as well just mount them up in the faint they're meant to be at when you're going to walk rather than. Yeah, but you need to, you need to, you know, ensure you look after the fabric of space. That's the whole point of. You could have a spore drive where you just can go anywhere. The improv, was it the well, infinite probability drive with spores? The discovery doesn't even conform to the blooming rules. <laughs> if you think about it, and then there's the whole. If we go through your time periods, I mean, you know, say we, we got we got to turn a next gen there, and we kind of talked, we kind of saying about. You look at your your Excelsior class, your O'Berth class, which they reused, and you look at your, your your Miranda class, which they reused as well. The Miranda is the only one that conforms to it if you want to go absolutely, you know, pure. Um, the Galaxy class does, which is great. I think or most more, of the cruisers do. Yeah, they do. Anything that's that's bigger than an Excelsior, you're fine. Apart from the All Good Things Enterprise, but that's you know. Yeah, there's like huge long things about that thing. You go anywhere and it's just a bit like even in the notes it says the all good things enterprise is ex- explained not to violate these rules because it has two warp filled coils in each and cell, thus creating three pairs. Okay, well this makes make stuff up. 
<laughs> or then stick another engine on it. But, you know. And then my other notes say it does break it. So whatever, it's a, it's an enigma. It's an anomaly. <laughs> they contradict each other then. I mean, the, the, the worst offender out of the lot, if, if uh, worst offender, uh, yeah, it probably is, is, is Defiant. Yeah. Because I think it, because I think Defiant breaks more rules and some rules that aren't even written rules that kind of in your head you go, we can't do that. I think there's three in that type that you could throw into that wrap as well. Okay. Um, You've got Defiant, you've yeah. got its shuttle pod, because yeah. it's in the same vein, and in one of my notes it also says the scout ship from Insurrection. Yeah, and we're talking about stuff that's got integrated nacelles, aren't we? Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they totally do. Um, and, and the work, the only, the only, because Defiant, Defiant is great because, I mean, it's rubbish at doing the job it was designed for, which is hilarious, I think. It's it's massively <laughs> overrated and massively underrated at the same time, the Defiant. It's overrated because it didn't even do the job it was supposed to do. And then it's underrated because actually it's, it's just a cool shit. But it, 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 it circumvents so many rules and so many fan rules as well. And this, I love the Defiant. I am, I absolutely adore the Defiant. It's when I saw it come on, and you know, they've got stories about phaser cannon sounds that that change my, you know, opinion of the franchise and stuff like that. But if you look at the Defiant, and I remember this is something going back to, and this is probably why I get my where I get my my, my canon about warp engines from is if you remember the the 25th anniversary special, Bill George in the 25th anniversary special. So I'm going like to 1991 here. In it, he, he's talking about the he's talking about the engines of the of the refit Enterprise during a, a bit they're talking about the making of Star Trek Six. And Bill George talks about you guys probably weren't even born then. Yeah, and, I, I was just about to say you don't want to ask kind of why we're you're getting a blank look from say, me and a very silent response so, from Jamie. So, I would be I would I would have been about two years old. So so, so Bill George, I, I was I was eleven. So Bill George is talking about the engine, and he says the reason you have these things, and Bill George, I'm not saying he's an absolute authority on starships, but the guy built enough that he should know what he was doing. Um, that the reason that the engines are away from the ship is because they warp space, and you wouldn't want to be next to them when they're doing that. And you kind of go, got it. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Why the hell would you want to be stood next to, effectively, two <laughs> unshielded nuclear reactors? Just blowing the crap out of them. Because isn't what, what, there why? isn't there artwork from motion picture where there's like um, radiation going between the warp yeah. cells? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, there is, and it's it's to do with that field because they generate a warp field. That's the whole point of them. They warp <laughs> they warp space. So why the hell? And you know that's the why the way they're away from the ship because it reduces you know whatever risks of radiation. Da, 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 da. But why would you want to stick them <laughs> right next to your ship? In fact, you can imagine poor Ensign Smith and his bunk, can't you? Ensign Smith, I'm afraid, I'm afraid this will be your last mission on the Defiant. Why is that? Well, you've breached the radiation limit <laughs> because your bunk is next to the left warp engine. You know what I mean? It, it, you just, you kind of, you kind of have to step a little bit away from it. I mean, they, they, you know, the ship's not cool and whatever. We we love the Starship design, but you know. You, you, 
this is one of those things, and I love the fact we got to talk about this kind of stuff because this is, you know, this is Roddenberry, this is Roddenberry stuff that he kind of came up with. But it don't work. It doesn't work. God damn it. Equinox doesn't conform to it. Prometheus probably conforms to it. Maybe not. Maybe just. No, the two no, ah, it's upper two cells don't. It but then there's a does. whole different thing when it, it goes to. It does when it's in different parts. It don't. It doesn't when it's, when it's separate parts because the um, saucer section, it's got its second one on the bottom. So that doesn't because it can't no. see the top one. No. All the other ones are fine, but just the top one, nah. nah don't happen. Nope, doesn't. Um, no. Holo, the hollow ship. Why the hell was that invented? You look at that thing and you go, ugh. That one doesn't. Somebody needs to pick a keep a very big galactic door open and they thought we need a door back. we need a door stop <laughs> but we'll that doesn't because that's, that's got its warp nacelles um integrated in, in yeah as well uh i think the sydney class doesn't because no, i think because the the hole separates it i love that class by the way i've i've, I've mentioned my love of the Janola. And I know it's a shuttle craft that turned upside down. Yeah, it's just an executive executive shuttle. They've just shoved a few in the cells on it. I love it. I love the concept of that, of that literally being just a little ferry, effectively. It's like a P&O ferry. It's nothing more. It's nothing more exciting than that. Yeah, when they're not sacking on the staff. (laughs) Um, But it is. It's just a a tub with two engines on it. But that's what it's designed to be. But you think about it, that, that... you kind of get why the some of the aesthetics they do in the Starship design is why they are, because they just look stupid. You try and think of a hollow ship with two engines on the side of it, it'd look ridiculous. It would look like the bus from Spaceballs. <laughs> I mean, it would just, it just wouldn't, you couldn't take them seriously. Well, but if you think the about, model is a bath toy, because I think it's mainly plastic, so that does fit. It's 100% plastic, I just can't. Same with a probe as well. When, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in my bath with my holly ship, my Borg probe and my Fisarius. <laughs> <laughs> Borg sphere as well, I think. It also carries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of looks a bit phallic if you put it all together <laughs> in combination. But, you know. Um, sorry. Oh, God. Yeah, this is going to get edited so badly. Um, but but here's, here's an interesting one. And we talk about this design aesthetic. And we look at the lineage and you go through everything blah, 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 and you get to. Here's 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 a question. Here's a question. <laughs> Does this aesthetic that Roddenberry set up actually apply once we get to a post Wolf 359 Starship world? Well, there's about four Which ships from Wolf 359 that break it. There are. But. You just think about how the design aesthetic of starships changes due to the Borg threat. So they become a lot more thrown condensed. together. <laughs> kit bash, because that's what they are. So it's just like... no, 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 no. I'm not talking about the kit bash ones. We're not talking about the Wolf 359, the actual ones in the battle. I'm talking about anything that's designed post that battle. Anything that if you if you look at the lineage after that. You think of how the um, 
the ambassador the ambassador class is it's you know very open the engines away from the hull it's got a huge neck section the source is massive there's no it's not very well defended and you look at where the phaser phaser emplacements on it they're not great the torpedo emplacements not very great and you think about the galaxy class which is basically just a, a, a massive fu to the rest of the galaxy going to the universe going look we can build this and it's it's a sign of affluence it's a sign of you know it, it conforms to the rules because the rules were built for it so it conforms to the rules because that's what it, it, it was supposed to be but off the back of wolf 359 which is where we get the defiant from uh, and the sovereign you, class and the you eliminate class. weaknesses don't you you eliminate these weaknesses and as you eliminate the weaknesses it changes the design perspectives i guess because you think about things like the, the nova class and prometheus and the sovereign class and and one they, they they all become more compact more slender as a design that next section is completely gone the engines come in a lot closer to the hull and they're a lot better defended um smaller profiles and whatnot yeah absolutely um and and does it become it's in canon and in universe do they go from being these were the rules that meant these starships could be designed like this however we've changed the rules in a in a galactic sense not in a for in a Roddenberry rule sense so that actually by removing certain pieces and changing the very look and feel of these ships, these rules no longer apply. Mm. I think it came redundant the second it got in- implemented. Well, yeah, because if you, if I think that's right. a good point, because if you think about it, as you said earlier, Clavin and Carrot at Firepoint, in the very first episode, the episodes, they've already broken those rules when they just yeah. established them. Yeah. But these were never kind of rules that were that were officially out there anyway. If you look at Franz Joseph's uh, 1975 Star Trek technical manual, the the three four classes that they've got in there don't conform to these rules. Class that's in there that is very well known and you know obviously inspired the All Good Things Enterprise and uh, you know they don't conform to the rules and that was quite a that was a big technical piece of work when it came out because it was the nearest thing we got to a you know, a, a really good official guide to the tech side of the original series. Um, but it is one of, it's, it's one of these things, isn't it? It's a great idea in principle to have this this set of rules, but, you know, the, 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 some of the best, some of the greatest ship designs that, that the franchise has come up with. The ones that didn't and, follow those rules. <laughs> don't conform to them. And, and you know they look cool let's admit it you know and, and we can kind of you have to keep you, your opinions restricted to federation starships in this line because that's where i kind of i kind of see it going but second that i think they, they went past that and they went into your your post wolf 359 designs they get a lot more interesting they get a lot more thought provoking there's a lot more I mean, detail-wise, obviously, it you know, skyrockets. Um, the NXO one was the, what is it, the most detailed Star Trek model they ever made to that point in CG. 
in any in any I think any medium, it was the most detailed model they've ever made. Um, and I mean that doesn't even have that doesn't even have a secondary hull. <laughs> it's you know it's it's as basic as you can get. Um, but yeah, there's it's, they, they get it, and, and if you took the future timeline, you know what. <laughs> the worst event. Oh God, I'm going to get into Discovery. Yeah, I can see it coming. You go to Discovery and you look at even the Discovery itself doesn't conform to the rules. Um, admittedly, that's off a design that was designed in 1977, 76, when for Planet of the Titans. Um, but then the Discovery ships from the 31st century have no bearing whatsoever no. on any of the rules at all i mean they don't even have um they don't they don't follow any of it but it's the the, the, again it's that it's that leap in technology and i suppose the in-canon the in-canon thing is as the technology changes you kind of rules around it change you think about the warp the warp speed you know the warp um curve got changed if you read the next gen technical manual you know in the original series they talk about warp 13 and in vulgar things they talk about work 13 i get that but they read the warp core so that 9.99999 was you know you couldn't get to warp 10 looking at you threshold and then you know you've got to think do things within the canon of the universe change because of that of how 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 it all alters as, you, as they go along it's just an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting topic isn't it it's just when it's when you're dealing with a franchise so big, you're dealing with a million different designers and producers yeah. that this is going to fall through the gaps. Yeah, because not all of them are going to, and maybe not even all of them even know about the, uh, the, the the design guidelines. You know, and as you say, it's kind of and all well, people. Well, that, that's the thing. The guidelines they're not rules per se. It's just kind of yeah. oh, stick to three of these rules if you can don't you don't have to hmm. yeah it's yeah but then nobody does <laughs> you think it's if it had been something that important and that crucial to the the series they would have put it i mean there is a a certain when you look at all the races there is a certain design aesthetic between your romulan ships to your klingon ships to your, to your federation ships they each have their own design lineage if you will you know, you look at a Klingon ship, you know it's a Klingon ship. It looks like a Klingon ship. And there's even quotes in there, I think, about the the um, uh, the ship in uh, oh God in season four of Enterprise that Soong steals that is a Klingon ship. And they kind of didn't want you to realise that it was a Klingon ship, but they knew that if they didn't make it look like a Klingon ship, it wouldn't make sense, which kind of gave it away that it was a Klingon ship. Hmm. And, and so there's a certain design look to each of the things. And you think about a Federation Starship, you go, okay, fine. You know, it's got to have two, have two engines. <laughs> you, know, have, you know, engines will look like. But that's your initial thought of it, because that's based on a, a 1966 design for a ship that is now nearly 60 years old. Well, it is going to be 60 years old, two years into it, the Enterprise made for, made for the cage. Yeah. Um, and, and I would I kind of say, you know, you, they've got to look at it and they've got to move those designs forward. And I think as you get into the kind of lines of 
um, you know, detached nacelles and more defendable positions in a time that is more warlike. And you think of the, the Dominion War, the Klingon stuff. You've got the stuff that comes after that. You know, the Romulan Empire falls. Um, and then whatever happens between then and, and Discovery timeline, you know, the, the, the design aesthetic will will naturally alter and update as they go through that. Um, and you can see it, whether or not I, I believe in the dis, detached nacelles piece, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No, I've just, I think, you know, it's, you, you know, you've got these guidelines. And I think once you, it's like, oh, you know, these, it's very clear what, what, what it means. But when you start kind of digging deep into the topic, it's kind of, it is said very contradictory. It's like, yeah, we set up these rules, but oh, you know, we're just going <laughs> to these guidelines and we're just going to yeah. kind of not follow them within the first couple of episodes of TNG. And then obviously you've got to think of like other series, like, prequels that do follow them even though it was not they're not federation starships and it's it's open to interpretation i think a lot of it isn't it but is it a, a case as well and you think about that it's from that's another one of these Pete Rod, roddenberry's kind of stamp on the franchise and you think about his stamp on the the conflict piece within the writing of the episodes as well these are quite he's quite restrictive in what he um places on the franchise what he actually kind of stamps on it with his own his own mark and you think of of, yes the basic principle of star trek is there but how much has been kind of bent or twisted or or in some cases like these just completely ignored because it's it's not good for the show it's not good for the fan it's not good for the city it's not good for the franchise no, I mean, that's an interesting point, Gavi. If you think of pure Roddenberry Trek and kind of, particularly early next gen, kind of, there's a mm. certain way he wanted humanity to act. And well, when DS9 came along, it's like, well, actually, you know what? We can, you know, we can bend the rules or we can change things. And maybe it was a similar thing, kind of, maybe with these these guidelines. Who knows? No, they, they had kind of similar thoughts of, well, you know, we know this has been set up. We know this is in place. But... Do we necessarily have to conform to all four of them, or even conform to any of them at all? I think the most consistent one you've got there is the bridge. Mm. I think every every ship conforms to at least one. Yeah. It's usually the bridge on the top, and there's only one class starship, as we said, that doesn't conform to that and put it underneath. But everything else conforms to that 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 principle. You know, your defiance, your sovereign class, whatever. Um, so they all kind of try and keep to a some sort of a, a line to that. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of another Federation ship that doesn't have a bridge that's on the top. Could you? No, because Jaeger class. That's more front. Is it? I'm trying to think of the look of a Jaeger class. Um, Does that have the bridge at the front, would you say? Mate, or was that a bridge on? Do all of the Star- Federation starships conform to at least one of those guidelines then? They should do. Not yet, class, saber class. 
sorry for everybody who's listening. I've just completely fluffed a stars. class. Saber class. Because that's, uh, yeah, that does. Yeah, it still does. Yeah, it still does. Yeah, Bridge is still at the top. I thought so. And I think yeah. with the Jaeger, I think that does, because that's the Intrepid Hole. Yeah, it's Intrepid Hole with the Mackie <laughs> shit back end. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, I was getting too confused there for a second, but yeah, it's, it's the, yeah. So, so most of them, they, they do, to some degree, there is a... approximation to the rules and mm. and to keep it i guess familiar in some respects more than anything more than to conform to a rule it's more of a to keep that familiarity to the viewers yeah. it's easy to just you know tell what they are a consistent starship design language so that you, you when you sit on the screen you know you're watching star trek rather than watching yeah. star, um, star wars or something else good point yeah yeah and creating that lineage as well. So you can yeah. kind of see the development through it as you go. If you think about it, they, you know, they, they retcon, they, they reverse engineered the, the NX-01 to look as it did, to keep it as basic as it did, and then upgraded that design for the for the refit NX-01 with the secondary hull. You know, so there's, there's the evolution as you go through, even just visually. They did try, they have tried to keep it like that. You think the Discovery itself is quite an angular design. It's not very smooth it's not very graceful in its look you know the the walker class is is very functional if nothing else um and, and as they go through they become that kind of more sort of glorified 80s aesthetic where it's very smooth very curved like the galaxy class um and you know it's it's that opulence that size the the, the grandiose of it that they go up to at that point and then you kind of see it peak at that at that kind of magnificence and then it kind of dips off and it changes completely because of the need for something that was more functional than um exploratory well not functional but more defendable than than exploratory um i mean to be fair that you know go well i think after walkthrough wolf 359 they just had to rebuild loads of ships quickly so they just threw stuff together and even the same with the um Sector 001 fleet is the kind of same sort of second renaissance of ship design. Um, I mean, there's if, if you think about all of those kind of designs for the uh, the, the, the Sector 001 fleet, you know, your steam runner, Sabre, Norway, um, and um, the, the um, Akira class, all of those four have some have quite heavily armouredness that the nacelles are quite a lot closer to the hull they're a lot more armoured everything I mean you think the steam runner the, the front of the nacelles is actually within the primary hull yeah um that breaks you know it. I, I, I love that design yeah Who cares yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's one of my honestly the steam runner is one of my favourites I love it I think it's just brutal it's like you know if you think if you think the Enterprise E is like you kind of your Porsche then the steam runner is pretty much like a just a dump truck. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not like keen on it. It's brilliant. Love it. Like Absolutely love that design. Yeah. Love it. Great design. You it's, can it's, keep it. Again, it's function. It's function. <laughs> it's function but again, it doesn't conform to it doesn't conform to anything. It conforms to one rule, which is the bridge at the top. All I can say is ick. And the nacelles kind of 
you know, because they are, you can see the Bassard collectors, they're kind of at the front. You can see them. Yeah, Ensign Smith, he's doomed. Ensign Smith's like <laughs> irradiated for life. Because <laughs> he's bedridden next to the Bassard collector. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ensign Smith doesn't need to take a shower in the morning. He just walks past, the, walks past his bedroom window and irradiates himself every day. <laughs> just cleans himself <laughs> with new... With warp radiation, it is, it is silly when you think about it. It is really when you think about putting how they design some of these and where they put the engines. You kind of go, but why would you do that? Looks cool. It looks <laughs> cool. Yeah, defiant. Looks cool. Steamrunner, whatever you say, Si. Looks cool. Does that mean that the whole Defiant crew is screwed? Because they are just that bang between both of them. So every single quarters is just kind of radiation heavy. Yeah, you do realise that some people write in and go, well, actually, the reason that nobody is dead is because of this, this, and this. There'll be some, there'll be some whole plating or shielding element that's between the nacelles and whatever. One word. One word. Plot armour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or otherwise, you know, people would think they're on a mail. Uh, was it a mail or vessel? Oh, a mail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that right there's another shit. There's another shit that doesn't conform to anything. But anyway, there we go. But again, <laughs> alien, alien. They, they, there's no, there's no laws on it. It's, it is one of these topics in it way. But you get into it and you kind of go, well, actually, you know, we we look at the the ships and we just look for that. They they know what what people will recognise, and they can bend the rules around that. It's more for the for the look. I mean, doesn't it? Does the, the I mean the prodigy? I mean the the proto star. Um, I don't think that conforms to, to conforms to anything, does it? Oh, for the love of God! <laughs> oh dear, Clive being upstaged by a cat. Being totally upstaged by a cat. Hello. <laughs> yeah, go on. Off you go. Thank you very much. There you go. Hello, Kai. That's all right. She's just managed to open four windows on my la- on my other screen, which is brilliant. Um, and no, I don't want to buy that. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I look forward to seeing what they do with Starship Design. I think you know it'd be interesting to see what they do with season three of Picard. You know, they've kept, if you think about it, the ships in Picard, the Starships, the Inquiry class and whatever, you look at all the, sh- the ships they built for Picard, they do actually kind of conform to well, this. Their Star this... Trek Online. Yeah, a lot of them are, yeah. So, they... so they tend to be quite good with design lineage and all that sort of thing on this hmm. year, at least. And it, at least it's not copy and paste. Yeah, I mean, the Inquiry classes are kind of cool Starship class anyway. I just think, you know... Just not in that number. Yeah, I think they went over the top <laughs> with that. But you look at you look at Picard and they've, they've kept that... They've probably kept closer to the neck of the, 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 the Wolf 359, post-Wolf 359 aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and they've, they've used... We, you know, they've used um, ships of SEO. We know that. But it's it worked. It's variety. Is what, what we want. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's the variety it's that kind of new look at a couple of things the stargazer is the only one with four engines to make it distinctive in the in the in the sequence so we could tell which one it was they, they, they think about these things so that it's all to do with the look and, and if you think if we had continued with that Roddenberry rule how many ships would have looked so different mm. to what they actually got and how many times we'd have actually had almost the same design because they could have probably changed the shape of this primary hull change yeah. the shape you've got to think hull. eventually would start to look the same so maybe in a way it's a good yeah. thing they didn't all follow the all the guidelines or some of them just didn't at all yeah because you imagine can you imagine the battle of all 359 or the battle of sector 001 if you couldn't tell what the ship was because they all look virtually the same there's no way there's no way of and that's why the enterprise has that slightly different aesthetic to everything else because then you can tell which one the hero starship is um and if you follow these rules then everything looks like the same ship as simon said rules were made to be broken they didn't even observe from the beginning you don't want too much vanilla vanilla's good but we've got season three discovery if you want that Um, but there you go. Uh, yeah, it's uh, oh god, I can I can shut I can shut the podcast down in thirty seconds. Brilliant. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I, yeah. My thoughts on my thoughts on it are, are, are quite set. That it's a rule that they they didn't. I mean, Probert, you know, Probert gave us against um, by C original design, and and that conforms to his rules, but then it needs to conform to those rules because it needs to show the, the progression of that starship mate. that starship and that line yeah it had to be the blend of the hmm. excel chat and the date had to be somewhere in the middle didn't it, it had to be kind yeah. of yeah and i love that design i think it's a it's a really cool alternative that we never got but if you imagine if probert had been more involved in, and and well, it's it's usual argument. It's kind of if they had a budget, we would have got the um, concept. Should be all cool. Yeah. To be fair, we did get it in SEO at least. Yeah, it's the the classic line from Star Trek Three, isn't it? When Scotty sees the Excelsior and Kirk says to him, "Now, now, Mister Scott, young minds, fresh ideas." (laughs) (laughs) And and it's exactly that. You know, it's that new breed of thinking, and that's what you've got with with Discovery. That they that that's that new line of thinking with the the designs that they've got, and some of them don't even have a primary and secondary hull that's discernible. You know, they think that the USS Nog is is a vertical starship. <laughs> yeah, which which they poo pooed doing with the Warbird back in the eighties because it was wrong for the TV, and now they're like, yeah, we'll just do it because we can. Is that a case of keeping up with modern television and other sci-fi franchises where those rules just don't even bear thinking about? Yeah, totally. Um, you think of Babylon 5 starships, they were all long and thin, which really for TV wasn't ideal because TVs are square, or it was at the time. But I suppose you think about how people's TVs have evolved over time. You go back to the 1980s and the 1970s and, the, and the, maybe even, the, you know, the 90s and, and just early 2000s. 
TVs were all like this, your laptop screen, weren't they? They were all fairly square. Fairly square shape, you know, um, and the ships had to fit that. That's why the, the that's why the Enterprise D looks like the way it does. That's why it's short and stocky. It's because it fitted a TV screen really well. But in the world when of it came to, wide screens, you can push the boat out. Exactly. Well, push the, the starships out. Yeah, and that's why the Enterprise E looks the way it does. Long <laughs> and thin. Because it looked better on a, on a cinema screen. Because cinema screens are much bigger and much wider. Um, so there's that there's that thought. But, but now TVs are all wider and you think about you know the dimensions of a tv now those kind of you can do a lot more because tvs are small cinemas in your house so the average tv series can look like a cinema you think of the expanse um babylon 5 was probably a little bit ahead of its time in some of its starship design um because it had vertical starships with the mimbari it had long starships with earth which didn't fit your tv very well um and 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 yeah, there's just so many, so many more opportunities now, and, and so many more ways you can go. And it's, it's both an in-universe and out-of-universe reason why we can't follow these rules. Even the new Enterprise, Strange New Worlds, doesn't follow the rules. If we're really being picky, <laughs> the Starship effectively that started it all doesn't follow them. Um, JJ's Enterprise doesn't follow them because the nacelles are just, just, and there seems to be this thing about having the nacelles, the engines just below. Just so they just peek out over the top of that saucer. If you think about the design, it's it's really weird. It is if you think about it. The 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 the, the, the 1701 from 2009 does it. Um, I'm not sure. If, I think the Beyond one doesn't. I think the Beyond one, the actual, because of the size of the flipping nacelles on the most indefensible starship design ever made, they actually bring the engines above the saucer. Guys, I yeah. wish you could watch these the video of this. Of Clive sitting there with his hands going these round things, licking oh, <laughs> totally inappropriate, just kind of it, they were just this big. They were massive. And I've just I've just had that for the last two three minutes, and just kind of it's part of work, and it's just like round and round, and, <laughs> and it goes up. And just just do that with your hands, and you'll see why you sit there and go. Yeah, maybe out of context that might look a bit strange. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, my wife's not watching this. Um, yeah, so it's it's. <laughs> I'm trying to do it without my hands now. I'm just conscious that I'll be doing it with my hands. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's, the, it's the position of those ends. They don't even conform. Easy, stop stroking each other. <sighs> I don't even know. I don't know why I bother coming back on these, you know. Because you enjoy it too much. I'll come back in it because I just want to see how much I can just destroy, destroy this and just see how much it just descends into absolute chaos. Um, it's not actually gone that that much into that that kind of much of a line of chaos this time. I have to say, we've we've kept it fairly organized chaos. That's the best kind. Uh, it is. Yeah, that's fair enough. But yeah, it's, no, no, no. It's, yeah. it's still within topic, which is hilarious. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm shocked. Um, but, yes, as ever, I found a topic that really is so obscure because it is obscure because no one cares anymore, effectively. No, effectively, you're right. Um, 
and the, the, the even more concerning is, thing is that probably apart from two people, nobody gave a toss at the beginning either. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. You know, it's it, it is one of those where they went, this sound this sounds really good, and then you put it into practice and it it doesn't work. It because can't, because yeah, it the can't show's work. done with more than those two people who came up with the magical idea. Yeah, and do you think Prober and well, Robinbury Prober pretty much after that early days didn't have much to do with Shrek. Um, <laughs> So you know, it was like, let's set a rule up that nobody's ever going to follow because we think it's cool. And they set it up and it didn't work and, and, and it can't work. Um, and, and they proved they, they proved their own rule through the use of designs that didn't use their own rule to begin with. Um, which is dead odd when you th- and, and the only reason I've thought about it is because we've been talking about it. That, that because they use they had to use other ship designs it couldn't it couldn't work but then you suppose people will go ah oh, well actually you know those ships were designed pre um next gen time period so actually it doesn't count so you know it's only ships from that time period onwards but then none of them count none of them deal with it either so it's just it's just brilliant it's it's, it's yeah it's balmy absolutely balmy I'll tell you what, one that does actually conform to it, and I've just thought of, which is really odd because it shouldn't, but it does, is the Dauntless. What, the, um, what, the alien one? Yeah, the fake starship. (laughs) Because the engines are underneath, and they can see 50% because they're underneath the ship. It's got a body. I know it's got the body, but you think about it, 50% of the engines, it doesn't say what 50% it has to be, if it's 50 be 50% that way or 50% that way that you can see, but you think about it, the back end of them and the front end of them, they can actually see each other. So there's a clear line of sight between the two engines. And in fact, there's an engine in the middle because it's the quantum slipstream. And the bridge is on the top. Yeah. And there's a line of, there's a line of sight between the engines and you can see it from the front. There you go. That's what we need to base every ship on now. <laughs> so the Dauntless, um, the Dauntless conforms to the rules, which is weird because it's not actually, it shouldn't. <laughs> it kind of shouldn't, but it does. Well, it's an alien ship in a Federation frock, isn't it? Yeah, and and um, if anybody's not seen Prodigy, just, just bail me a second. In Prodigy... I don't know if you've seen the end of. Have you seen the end of season one? I'm. I know the spoiler. The, you know the spoiler. I've never seen Prodigy. It's on my list. I still need to watch it. Right. So once Janeway is mated with the goat <laughs> at the end of the first ten episodes, and it makes her a coffee, and then they have some salamander babies. It's really weird. It just goes out there. Um, Tom Paris turns up and <laughs> says, "I'm the father." No. Um, <laughs> What? So there's at the end, the, the the Federation version of the Dauntless turns up, um, and that also confirms the rules. But it's very similar to the one that we see in Hope and Fear. Well, I love that. I love that that, that Dauntless design from Hope and Fear. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful, real. Again, it's but it's weird. It's compact. It's actually more compact as a design. And I know it's not a Federation starship officially, but it's supposed to be. And it kind of. And because it kind of conforms to your expectations of the rule, tuna cells, 
forward section that looks very similar to Voyager. Some sort of secondary hull structure that sits behind your primary hull engines. And then I'm, I'm using my hands. Um, you think about it, it you visually your brain tells you it's Federation ship. Because it had to have the plausibility of because exactly. of Voyager. Exactly. It had to be plausible. It had to be plausible. So our tourists <laughs> he's, he's well, to be fair, fair he did gone. say that he'd studied Voyager for months, didn't he? Think so. Maybe yeah. that was part of it, or maybe his again, it's Star Trek coincidental. Oh, look, isn't that a shot? It's the same shape as we need it to be for this because we never see what it's like as an alien ship, and we never see any of his other alien species ships. No, because you don't Anyhow, even know if that's, so. if that's a holographic projection on the outside as well as the inside. So it leaves plenty of mystery. So it can be whatever you want it to be. It does, but he still manages in universe. He still manages to get a design that is actually very close to the design ruling that was supposed to be in place. But it looks like a Federation ship. But it's great. You think about it, the, 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 he gets that design, and you know the, the guys in, in out of universe and in, in, in the, the you know the creative minds that, that wrote the episode and designed the ship, they get the design aesthetic right. So there's still something slightly alien about it. Oh, sorry, but <laughs> you're keeping me up. I tell you, it's been a long, it's been a long week. Um, but they still managed to keep that federation design, and they still managed to. Um, create something that's slightly alien at the same time. It's brilliant. It's, it's, it's probably one of the best bits of Starship design in, in the entire franchise. I just thought it was a very interesting topic to look into because it's just a very kind of contrary thing that was just something... I just want to talk chips. That's really all it is. It's like, how can I get Clive back on again to talk chips for <laughs> yeah, another hour just, and a half? Just light the fuse and just let me run away with it and I'm off. And that's the problem. <laughs> You say what I would say anyhow, so it's just like save the time and because great minds think alike. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> In conclusion, doesn't work at all. But you got so, to watch me you caress. Really wanna... huh? You got you to watch me caress some warp engines. Your hands are getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll send people in the direction of the links and they can make their own minds up and kind of yeah. sit there and go, what? But, but yes, this all was a thing and we're doing a thing because well, why not? Yeah. But, and again, I think partly it was just to see just our movements because you can't pay for that sort of stuff. You can if you're in Canada or in the US. <laughs> <laughs> But only on certain networks at certain times. <laughs> the, rest of us just, the rest of us will just have to pirate it. There you go. Oh, so, Not yeah. that I'm condoning piracy or anything. I'd like <laughs> point that out. But, you know. There you go. Oh, dear. So, yeah, everyone listening, if you're still with us after all that. <laughs> uh, this episode's just going to go end up in the bin, isn't it? <laughs> like that. Yeah, I'm not bothered with this one. No, it's good. It's good. I like. It's, it's a really. It is a different topic. Something that I've not really heard people talk about. Um, but it is interesting to to kind of get 
when just uh just talk about ships who cares yeah doesn't matter what it is is it it's your bread and butter yeah ah <sighs> yeah <laughs> well, it is. I'm trying not to make. Uh, to be honest with Scott, I'm, I know I'm going through a bit of a ship's heavy period at the moment. I've been back in the last sort of six months. Uh, I've got a load of stuff that I'm that I'm reviewing at the moment, so I'm going through all my ships, and I know at the moment I've got loads. It's not very kind of episode based and people based and stuff, but it will it will get there. I've just had so much stuff to review ship wise. <laughs> I've just kind of gone. I just wanted to review ships. I don't care. Uh, and if people don't read it, I don't care. But I like doing it. Um, I got all these pictures sent to me. It's like, look what I got. Fancy ships. I like this one. I like that one. And I'm just like, yeah, Clive, you like all of them, right? There's not like, there's not many you've gone. I don't like this one. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There's um, I'm not impressed with the hierarchy one. Yeah, that that looks. Yeah, and and it looks like a lurgy. Yes, we we you know yeah. (laughs) The I'll tell you what. Who who wants a bit of snot on their desk? I I don't know. If it come, when it comes down in, in, in price, then I'll maybe think about it. But at the moment, no. The other one that I was disappointed with recently was the Tellarian Observation Craft. Yeah, I think you said by the... Um, oh, my word. It's uh, only the length it's the length of the stand. It's the size of the stand. And I just think it's it's just... It should have been bigger. Clive, should I just say, should we wrap this up and then we can actually talk ships afterwards and move on with the war yes. all these people? <laughs> We can let uh, them get on with their lives instead of uh, seeing us chatter on about. To be fair, they've already had about an hour and a half talking Eagle ships like, like a year ago. I think it was a year ago. I think, and they had an hour and a half of us yabbering on about ships. So I don't, I don't think there were another hour of half an hour of same of the same. I'm so sorry. I feel I like they've been told off. We'll do, we'll do it off. We'll do it off. Off episode, but. Something told up by my two my two warring parents who uh, seem to have some sort of reconciliation towards the end of this, but but you know just take it out of the kids. And for Jamie's sake as well, he's sitting there going, "What the hell are they on about?" <laughs> no, it's the same nice. words that I, would, I I know, but I have no idea what they're on about. He's quickly googling what the hell that shit means. You know, it's always a pleasure to come on. I know it descends into. I'm not sure what it descends into. Uh, but it's always a it's always, it's always an entertaining Friday night when I drop in <laughs> to have a chat about whatever you kind of throw at me. And luckily it wasn't Voyager this time, so you know I didn't have to swear a lot, which is quite good. I'm waiting for the episode where we come to, come to you and say, "Hey, we're doing an episode on Star Trek: The Return. Are you in?" Oh, and you tell us sod off. Or... <laughs> I am. I am all in for that one. I tell you. Uh, if I'm not sure if they're actually good. Yeah. I have a I have a very um, hate hate relationship with uh, William Shatner's The Return. I've got I've, I've yeah, gained from really. I've gained from a lot of people <laughs> from a few people. I've gained the whole of Shat- the Shatterverse, so I've got them all to read. In fact, I've had the Preserver in my library since about nine about two thousand and one, and I've never read it. So there's there's six books that I've still got, and if anybody out there can actually recommend. Uh, I think Ashes to Eden is supposed to be pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I've got them all to read at some point, and I, I'm just just not – I don't know if I can build myself <laughs> up to it. I'm reading it – I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm rumbling. I've got to go let the, dog out, let the dog out, so you can kind of close this one down, and 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 I'll, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
Everyone enjoyed that episode. Thank you for coming on again, Clive. It was awful. I didn't enjoy it. Don't know why I bothered. <laughs> and uh, it's gonna. I mean, I'm sorry if there's any car accidents or anything, people falling asleep in it for that. I, you know, I, I just disclaimer: we take no responsibility for any damage to your vehicle. If you've been listening while you've been driving, and you might have fallen asleep at the wheel. Um, well, I don't take any. But if you want to write to these two. I'm yeah. sure they'll pay you damages. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Federation credits only. <laughs> <sighs> oh, dear. oh dear. Yeah. No, no it's been no. good. It's always good. It's always good, guys. Always. Well, thank you for coming on, Clive. We really do appreciate it. It's all right. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, we'll be we'll be back soon with another episode. <laughs> Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.